Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning. Today my guest is Megan Johnson, who is an Alexander Technique teacher, choral conductor, and voice instructor based in Indianapolis, Indiana. She teaches the Alexander Technique at the Indiana University Jacobs School of Music and is artistic director of the Indianapolis Woman's Chorus. And we've we've done an earlier podcast about uh, application of Alexander technique for choral conductors, and in this uh, in this interview, we're going to talk about how the Alexander technique can be helpful for choral singers. Uh, Megan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Robert. Great to talk to you a second time. And as I did before, could I ask you to give a very short uh, description or definition of the Alexander Technique before we get into our topic? Sure. So um, if you were asking me on the street, what is this thing you do, Alexander Technique, I would say it's education for your whole self. It's a way of learning to use your mind and body in a way that promotes ease and calm and strength and flexibility in all of the activities you love to do, whether that's running a marathon, um, picking up your grandchildren, or gardening, um, or playing the violin or singing in a choir. The Alexander Technique helps you to be more present and uh, have more ease in your life. So, um, someone who does sing in a choir, if, if they're listening to our talk today, um, what what would what are the kinds of issues that the Alexander technique could help them with? Absolutely. So the thing that choral singers often do is stand in one place for a long period of time while singing, possibly while holding up a heavy book or a folder, and expecting to. Um, create some beautiful music to be using their breath and all of these things standing raising the arms using the breath are are aspects of life that the alexander technique can be very helpful in learning about so um yeah i think even if if a singer could learn a little bit about standing and a little bit about the breath that would be hugely helpful right so to to take standing which is an activity that most people do throughout the day, but most people aren't standing in one place for, I don't know what kind of time frames we're talking about, but at least maybe an hour or two with rehearsals. It, yeah, it depends what the uh, what the situation is. If you're in a concert and you're singing um, a long concert, you may be standing in one spot for 45 minutes. And it might be a fairly cramped spot, right? Sometimes it is. And maybe mm-hmm. your head has to be turned <laughs> to one side and right, all right. sorts of things like that. Um, so standing itself, is it's, it's certainly possible to stand poorly and get away with it if you don't have to stand for long periods of time. But one can also learn how to basically stand in balance instead of kind right. of hanging on holding on to yourself to keep you up right. and of course that the alexander technique um 
applies itself to that with pretty much all Alexander students, I would think. So right. could you say a little bit about about some of those, the aspects of standing? Because it is, you know, if you think, if you look at a, at a person standing up and you imagine that you were uh, an alien from another planet, <laughs> um, you might be kind of amazed that they're actually pulling that off because they're, you know, very tall relative to their width and Right. And, and what, how do they, how are they upright? They're, they're obviously not totally fixed like right. statues because they, right. they seem to move around. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, maybe you could say a little bit about how the technique can address just that aspect of, of um, what a choral singer has to do. Sure. Yeah, it is kind of amazing that we can stand up. <laughs> yeah. um, but but we, we all learn to do it for the most part when we're children. Mm-hmm. And when we're children, it's easy. So um, I, I think that the Alexander Technique helps us as adults or young adults or whoever you are to come back to that ease in a conscious way where you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And some of that is around um, the way that we allow our feet to meet the ground. Mm -hmm. If we allow our feet to meet the ground, that activates reflexes um, that tell our deep postural muscles, the muscles that are most deeply connected to the skeleton, to do their work, which is extending the skeleton in a way that is balanced. and if we don't pull ourselves off balance and we don't pull ourselves down, we will remain standing. It mm-hmm. seems sort of miraculous, but but we do. And so um, for singers, we're often told, you know, head up, shoulders back or shoulders down or, you know, chest forward, all kinds of things that are about our exterior appearance of standing. Mm. And what the Alexander Technique addresses is our internal coordination that allows us to stand in a way that would be seen as open, as easy, as upright. Um, so learning learning about how you balance and learning ways to be free. Um, we talked in our last podcast about just knowing where your skull balances on top of your spine, the atlanto-occipital joint. Um, knowing where that is can can give someone a, a huge piece of information about their balance and standing mm-hmm. and how and how your head moves relative to your neck and torso right. that sort of thing yeah right. and and also i think you mentioned where your hip joints are would be a right. very valuable piece of information for people most many people have that have a pretty inaccurate idea about that as well. So basically, I, I guess the I guess the way I would think about it is if you look at a five or six year old kid standing up, they, mm-hmm. they seem generally to not be putting much or hardly any effort into being there. Right. And they're very mobile. They could move at an instant's notice if they wanted mm-hmm. to. And most adults, maybe not so much. And the the real i guess one way of describing what the alexander technique does is help you regain that that ability to be standing in balance right and not having to hold yourself up or absolutely uh, fix yourself to be standing cuz that's a lot of work and mm-hmm. can be painful and general well certainly for a singer it's not going to do much good for your breathing or your absolutely. singing voice too right 
Yeah, so then as we as we start to look at standing for a singer, the way that you're using your back and neck and torso, um, just as you said, Robert, directly affects the uh, capacity of breath, the mm-hmm. way that you can use your breath efficiently to make sound. It affects the freedom of the larynx and all the other parts of the vocal tract. Um, so standing, even though it's something we theoretically do all the time, can be done in a way that's helpful to singing or a way that is potentially harmful. So if a, if a singer comes to you for lessons what uh, what's what's what would happen in the first few lessons what would what would those lessons be like and what might sure. they learn sure so i always start with all of my students um just starting to help people become more aware of what they are doing when they are standing and sitting, drawing some attention to um, those places that we were talking about, the hip joints, to the the head and neck where the head balances on top of the spine, and um, helping the singer to just become aware of their whole coordination. What I found as a singer is that my voice production, my singing improved so much in Alexander Technique training, even though I wasn't at the time taking voice lessons. So Mm -hmm. I think really just sorting out our general coordination helps us to improve our singing sound because we suddenly, um, or maybe not suddenly, maybe over time, over several lessons, start to find the ways to release our sound and release our breath rather than to force or push a sound. Mm -hmm. So then um, after we would work in in lessons on general standing, sitting, lying down, um, I like to work with people from many backgrounds, but singers especially, on the breath and how we think about the breath. Mm -hmm. Um, Singers in choirs often get into a cycle of taking a big breath so that they can sing a difficult phrase, whether that phrase is long or whether it contains a challenging note, a high note or a low note, whatever it is. And um, what I learned in studying the Alexander Technique is that if we allow our inhalation to be reflexive, if we allow our natural breathing mechanism to do the work of bringing air into the lungs, the exhalation will be more powerful and will be easier. Um, But if we try to gasp in air, we try to take in a lot of air, that sets up um, a whole pattern of tension in in our whole self, really, but especially in the muscles around breathing, that keeps us from being able to use our full breath and keeps us from being able to make a free sound. Mm-hmm. So, um, so there, there's a lot that you would help someone with in terms of how they organize themselves to stand, mm-hmm. to sing, right. to be able to stand for long periods of time, and so on. But um, a, someone, someone singing in a choir. Uh, is in a bit of a different situation than a solo singer in, right. in the sense that they they have to be aware of all of the other singers' mm-hmm. sounds, right? Could you say right. a word about that? And I, I would assume that that is going to require some ability to not only look after yourself as you sing, but to be to have have that outward attention too which can mm-hmm. which is 
asking a lot of somebody to do. How how would the Alexander technique help that? Sure. Um, first, I just I always love to think about humans have been singing together for a really long time, probably since humans were humans. We've we've been making sound together. So I think there's something um, in the human brain that knows how to listen to other people in sound. And that's one reason I, I love what I do. But I think the Alexander Technique helps us to refine our awareness. And that is both our awareness of our physical sensations, uh, awareness of our body in movement. Um, it refines our awareness of our thought patterns, knowing whether we are um, tensing in anticipation of something that we perceive will be difficult or whether mm -hmm. we're able to remain main free in our thinking. But it also helps us to just broaden our awareness, to be more aware of what is going on around us without reacting. Mm -hmm. And um, so in a choral setting, it, it's a challenging place for both singers and conductors because, say, in, in a in a typical community chorus, you might have 35 to 60 singers mm -hmm. and every single one of those 35 singers is doing something slightly different, but the conductor has to give one instruction that will improve the sound or improve the articulation or improve something about what's happening in the music to 35 individual people. Mm -hmm. And so the Alexander Technique helps you to become aware of yourself so that you can know if the instruction you just received from your conductor applies to you. Um, for example, if you're in a choir and your conductor says, okay, everybody, uh, that ah needs to be more open. It needs to be more vertical. That might pertain to 80% of the choir. We run into this in the Midwest a lot because we all say our our ah vowels kind of spread east mm -hmm. to west ah mm -hmm. um, so conductors are always are are often saying singers i want that an up and down ah or a north south ah or a tall ah whatever whatever words they choose to use and some singers will take that to the extreme they will open their mouth overly wide trying to to really be as tall as possible in their ah vowel where someone else will open their mouth a little bit and it feels like it's really, really open, but mm -hmm. maybe it's not. Mm -hmm. So so the Alexander Technique um, really helps us to understand whether our kinesthetic impressions of what we're doing are accurate. And so um, that can be extremely helpful when trying to sift through all of the stimulus of a choral rehearsal, what you're hearing from your other singers and the instructions you're getting from your director. Mm -hmm. And and that kind of learning to... Um, as you say, whether learning if your kinesthetic impressions are accurate, that's the kind of thing that really is likely to require someone to help you with. Absolutely. It's not something you can just, uh, I mean, in theory, of course, you could you could do what Alexander did and stand in front of a mirror and so on. But for most people, it's going to be a, it's going to be much more efficient to get a little bit of help in that. Because you I may so. not hear you may not hear your voice the way other people hear it, and you're very likely to feel kinesthetically feel what's happening as accurate as accurately as somebody outside yourself who's specifically looking 
and observing can do. And that's the question, one of the big questions of singing, teaching singing in general. Um, You know, anyone who's ever had their voice recorded and then they listen to that recording of their voice, they say, my goodness, that doesn't sound like me. Um, The sound of our voice inside our heads is different than the sound outside of our heads. And um, so singers are often taught to sing by sensation, not by sound. And that's that's important because we don't want to be getting into a feedback loop of listening to the sound and trying to make it sound inside our heads the way we want it to sound outside. Right. Um, but that's when um, the the help of an expert teacher, uh, especially an Alexander Technique teacher, can help you know whether that sensation that you're using to sing, um, whether it's working for you, whether it's accurate. Am I actually allowing my whole rib area to be mobile as I'm allowing breath in or am I locking in certain places am I allowing my jaw to open in a way that's easy or am I pulling it down and putting pressure on my larynx these are things that that you may not know until you've had an experience of something different which is what an Alexander Technique teacher can provide right um is there anything else that you would like to uh mention before we come to an end Sure. Um, I think one of the things that's important about the choral rehearsal process is that uh, we're always, in most cases, looking forward to a performance that is at a certain date in the future. And we can get really focused on, we have eight rehearsals left, we have five rehearsals left, we have three rehearsals left, and, and get into almost a state of panic <laughs> about mm-hmm. how long we have left to to do everything we want to do to make the concert sound the way we want it to sound. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that Alexander Technique teaches us is about how to work toward a goal without creating stress on the way. Um, there's sort of an Alexander term called end gaining mm-hmm. that... Um, it talks about this the sort of goal oriented or goal focused way of working mm-hmm. and so i think alexander technique helps singers and conductors and people in all different fields learn to be in the process of learning music or in the process of rehearsing in a way that still gets you to the goal at the right time but doesn't lose sight of the how, the how you are singing and the how you are creating music. Right. And maybe just to make that, um, to, to reiterate that and give, to give a very concrete non-musical example mm-hmm. of end gaining. So you could imagine you're sitting in a chair and the doorbell rings and mm-hmm. you, your instinct might be to just get from where you are to the door to open it without necessarily, you might be thinking, well, I wonder who it is, or I know mm-hmm. who it is, and it's important, or whatever. And your attention is all on the, in Alexander's terms, the end of mm-hmm. getting to the door handle and turning it. And you may very well have lost track of how you're organizing yourself to make that transition mm-hmm. from the chair to the door. And, and as Alexander would say, that's the important thing. His phrase was means whereby, or you mm-hmm. could say how you do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And um, that is, um, I mean, of course, opening a doorbell ringing is a fairly 
minor stimulus for most people, but being in front of an audience and having Mm -hmm. to sing, that's a slightly different uh, situation, right? The, the stakes are, are the stakes are perceived to be much higher. And, Absolutely and right. That's a great example, and I think that um, yeah, the the stakes feeling higher in a in a performance setting. Of course, we haven't talked at all about performance anxiety, um, but but the skills that you learn in Alexander technique to be in the means whereby or to be in the how of how you sit or how you stand or how you walk are directly applicable to how you use yourself in performance in a potentially stressful situation. Right. So um, it's, it's, uh, it's all related, even though the, the situations may look from the outside to be very different. Right. Well, this might be a good place to, to bring our conversation to a close. Uh, my, my guest today has been Megan Johnson, who is an Alexander Technique teacher, choral conductor, and voice instructor based in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, she also teaches uh, the Alexander Technique at Indiana at the Indiana University Jacobs School of Music, and she's artistic director of the Indianapolis Women's Chorus. Megan, th- oh, and I should add, before I thank you, um, if you are in the Indianapolis area and, and what we've talked about is of interest to you, I'll put a link to Megan's website by the interview. And I'll also put a link to a site where you can learn more about the Alexander Technique and where you could find a teacher anywhere in the world. Megan, thanks so much for this. Thank you, Robert. It's been great to talk to you.